Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor shows us how to use the Bible the right way. We have to take the scriptures in light of the unity of the whole Bible. Another way of saying this is that the Bible does not ever contradict itself. If you have to come up with something, or if you've come up with something on one text and it contradicts another text, then your interpretation is wrong on one of those texts or both of them. This is amazing grace. So there you are sitting in church listening to the pastor's message, but how do you really know he's handling the word correctly? Or you're studying the Bible on your own and not sure what the correct interpretation is? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will provide some helpful steps in handling the word correctly. It's part of our study in 2 Corinthians, and today we'll be in chapter 4. There isn't a believer listening to me that doesn't have the call ministry upon their lives. What is ministry? Serving people. Serving the Lord by serving people. And we know that in every area of ministry, in every area of service where God guides, he always provides the training and the spiritual qualities and qualifications to serve. It's been wisely said that God doesn't always call the equipped. Because a lot of people will pull themselves away from ministries. I'm not ready. I'm not equipped. I don't know. God doesn't always call the equipped, but I'll tell you what, he always equips the called. He always gives what's necessary. In just a few weeks, you're going to hear testimony from the team that just went to Asia. I want you to pay close attention to their testimonies because testimony over testimony will be that. God equipped us. God went before us. God took care of us. God protected us. I couldn't believe I was going on this trip, but now I want to go back. You're going to hear that over and over again. I haven't even heard all the testimonies yet, but I already know that's what's going to be said. There was great fruit stepping out in faith. So, okay, with all that, verse 2. Making great progress, but I warned you. Verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves for every man's conscience in the sight of God. That was one of the accusations. He's crafty. He's deceitful. And the way he does it is he uses the Bible to be crafty and deceitful, to take advantage of you. That was one of the accusations. And certainly in Paul's day, as well as in ours, there are men and women that use the Bible craftily and deceitfully to take advantage of people. But Paul says, not me. Not me. It was the manifestation of the truth. I commend myself to your conscience. I commend myself to your ability to tell right and wrong when looking at my ministry and looking at what I have done and served in your life. Paul was open about his life in ministry. There was this group of accusing Paul of covering up his craftiness with a veneer of fake piety or holiness. And he corrects this. I like it. He just tells him, no, it's not true. But instead, there was a manifestation or an appearance of truth through his life. The word deceitfully there, if you, want, you might want to mark it in verse 2, it means to dilute or to adulterate or to change. They accused Paul of teaching a watered-down gospel to take advantage of the Corinthians. Today you might hear a similar, similar accusation to uh, that Paul was teaching something that might be phrased as cheap grace. Not so. 
He wasn't covering up the law or dismissing it, but rather teaching its fulfillment in Jesus. Just like the Bible promised. He was a preacher of the true gospel, renouncing the hidden things of shame and the things that were hidden. He trusted that the ministry that he spoke of did not just speak to the ear, it spoke to the heart. And that's amazing. When the word of God is open and the spirit of God's anointing is upon a man or a woman in their teaching, the word of God will speak to your heart. Things will be revealed that are hidden in your own life. You'll be sitting there during Bible study and the pastor will use such and such an illustration or go such and such a place or reveal some scripture somewhere and you're like, man, how did he know? Pastor didn't know. The Spirit of God knows. And how he can do that with, you could sit in a room with a thousand people and God has a thousand things to say through the truth of his word applying it into your life. Where the sum of the scripture is one interpretation but a thousand applications. Why? Because the Spirit of God, he reveals hidden things. And pastors renounce hidden things. They don't, they, they don't play games with the word of God. Is this, this what it says? And then you deal with the consequence of that. It's amazing how God will use his word. So it brings up a question. If you're taking notes, jot these down. If, it, if you're not taking notes, get a pen out. I want you to write these things down. I'm going to give you a little class, a little summary on what it means on how to handle the Bible correctly. I want to give you a little class on how to... I'm going to give you a little summary of what is known as the, inter- the science of Bible interpretation. It's called hermeneutics. Anybody hear that word before? Hermeneutics. I'm going to teach you a few steps of hermeneutics right now that will help you and, and it will greatly give you tools to be able to handle the word of God correctly. When I'm teaching it, when you hear it on the radio, when you see it on TV, hermeneutics. Let me spell it for you. It's H-E-M. Oh, wait, wait. Let me, let me spell it right for you, okay? H e r m e n. E-U-T-I-C-S. So you can tell that word to someone tomorrow and they'll think you're really smart. Hermeneutics. You're like, it doesn't mean anything except how to study the Bible. You know, we use these big words, but I need you to know it because you're going to hear it. Hermeneutics. You know, how to study the Bible. How can you know if someone's handling the word of God correctly? How do you know if they're misusing it or deceitfully or craftily using it against you? We know that many people do. You've got to be open. You've got to learn, like Acts chapter 17, to be Bereans, to test by the word of God. You go, well, how do I do that? And I'll show you in a moment. But the Bible says, Peter does in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, and I like the old King James, so I quoted it first. He's, he tells uh, those elders, he says in 1 Peter 5, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, and I love this phrase, not for filthy lucre. So just understand that, elders. Don't take the word of God for filthy lucre. All right? Do you understand what that means? Well, don't do it anyway. (laughs) In the New King James, it says dishonest gain. Dishonest gain. To use the word of God to rip people off. To fleece the flock instead of feeding the flock. You feed the flock. You take care of them. You serve them. You don't fleece the flock, and unfortunately there are many. I like how the New Living Translation even translates it better, that filthy lucre. But just let that word burn in your mind. You'll probably never use it again, but filthy lucre. It's like, it doesn't even sound good. But I love how the New Living Translation, a more modern translation, says it. He, they translate it not for what you will get out of it. He says, care for the flock of God entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve the Lord. So not filthy lucre, not dishonest gain, not what you will get out of it. 
And so how can we tell if the Bible is being used correctly? Because anyone can quote a scripture and make it say whatever they want it to say. Not just teachers, not just preachers, but politicians and friends and family and TV personalities. Folks seem to know what the Bible says, but not what it means. It's very important. Well, you know, he quoted the scripture, but he totally misquoted it. That's not even what it means. That's not even the context it was said. And you're like, well, how can I know? Well, there are a few steps to take. Tonight, I just want to give you a simple lesson, a few things uh, that will be very helpful. And I want to suggest a book to you. I actually want to suggest a couple books. That's why all these books are up here today, because I want to give you some suggestions. One of them is called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It by Skip Heitzig. There's another one. He's the new dean of men, my son just told me. He's the new dean of men at the Calvary Chapel Bible College. His name is Andy Dean. His book is called Learn to Study the Bible in 40 Different Methods He Gives. Very good. Another one, Kay Arthur put out, the new How to Study Your Bible and Discover the Life-Changing Approach to God's Word. So there are great tools, and over the summer... Uh, just so you can jot it down, we're, we're going to bring out a brother of mine, a friend. His name is Dan Finfrock, and we're going to do an all-day seminar on inductive Bible study methods. And we're going to equip you and teach you. Uh, you're going to have to invest some time and some resources, but this brother, is, all he does is go around the world teaching inductive Bible study. And so we're finalizing the details on that, too, because we don't want you just well-fed. We want to teach you how to fish, too. We want to teach you how to dig for yourself. We want to teach you how to go through. So I'm going to give you five things. You ready? Number one. Number one, those are just a few of the tools. Um, I've got a bunch more I'll show you in a moment. So number one, you always interpret the text in light of its context. You always interpret the text in light of its context. We say that all the time in Bible study, but just like I did right now, we gave a little bit of review of what Paul's dealing with. That's context. We always interpret the scripture. You, we need to pay attention to what comes before. We did that again, didn't we? When, we? when I pointed out the word therefore, what did we do? We went back a little bit and went forward a little bit. That's context. Every scripture has a meaning. And so we always interpret it in the context so we can get its true accurate meaning. Number two, we always interpret the text in light of the meaning of the words themselves. Words have meaning to them. Definition. Remember, the Old Testament was written almost entirely in Hebrew. A little bit of Daniel uh, was written in Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the words have specific meaning to them. What do words mean? What did they mean in the time that they were written? What did they mean to the audience that received the letter? We have to understand the text from the context. And also, what does the word mean? And they're great tools that you can use that made it much easier uh, these days with the internet. Like blueletterbible.org is a great free tool. It's on our app, actually. It's the default Bible on our app. And it goes on to the little mobile site, and it's much bigger when you go on the internet. But that's the, the Bible that we wanted to give to you because it has all the tools. It has commentaries on there. It has concordance on there. It has Bible word lookup in the Greek and the Hebrew. Powerful stuff right in your, you know, on your computer and in your hand. you got to know the meaning of the words. They have, you know, when I tell you to circle a word and write a word next to it, what am I doing? I'm defining the word for you. And you can always look it up and see it for yourself. Number three. We always interpret the text in light of the grammar of the sentence. And some of you are going, man, I wish I would have paid attention now in high school. No, it's never too late. You can learn. Sentences have meaning. You can't just make a sentence mean something that it doesn't. And so you want to look at the grammar. You want to understand the flow and the context, not only of the context before and after, the meaning of the word, and how does the sentence flow? Is the word a verb, an adverb? 
Is it describing something? What is it describing? Number four, you always interpret the text according to the historical background in the time it was written. It's important to pay attention to what was going on during the time. You want to pay attention to local customs, the idioms, or what we would say, we don't use that word much today, but the figures of speech that were used. What did that mean? What was he describing, especially as Jesus is teaching through the parables and he's teaching through narratives and giving wonderful stories? There's a context to them. There's a meaning to the the first century life and and even in the Old Testament before that. You want to make sure, and and you can see now just for these four steps, it's going to take a long time to understand scripture. You just can't pick it up. Now, the Holy Spirit can give you understanding, but when you're studying, studying requires time and effort and commitment. That's why the, Paul would have to tell Timothy, you study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you want to look these things up, and it's, you can do it. You can do it. Number five, you also want to interpret the text in light of the unity of all the Bible as a whole. So, for example, if you come up with an interpretation that contradicts something else in the Scripture, your interpretation is wrong. So you can't just pull a scripture and go, this is what it means, but it contradicts the whole flow. A lot of times people, like, like this, whole, this whole thing that we're talking about, filthy lucre and dishonest gain, that is not the character and nature of God at all. It contradicts that whole, all of that, not only does it contradict one scripture, I mean, Peter says, feed the flock, don't take advantage of them. So these guys that take advantage are not from the Lord. They can't, use, they can't use the Bible to justify how they take advantage of people because not only does it contradict scripture after scripture after scripture, but it contradicts our giving God. Our God is a giving God, a sacrificing God, a God who serves and continues to woo and chase and draw. And so we have to take the scriptures in light of the unity of the whole Bible. Another way of saying this is that the Bible does not ever contradict itself. If you have to come up with something... Or if you've come up with something on one text and it contradicts another text, then your interpretation is wrong on one of those texts or both of them. So, number one, context. Number two, in the meaning of the words. Number three, grammar. Number four, historical. And number five, the unity of the scriptures. And just if you follow those five steps in a very simple way without any more explanation, it'll clear up a lot of the Bible difficulties that you have. And so you need some tools. Like I I have some tools here that you can get by books if you're still doing them. Look at this thing. I'm glad she pulled the biggest book off the shelf. This is a one-volume commentary. So this is a commentary on the scriptures where after you come up with your interpretation, you can come to a wise commentary and see if it squares with someone that spends their whole life studying that kind of stuff. And if you come up with a content, you know, you come up with a, 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 an interpretation and you come to a couple commentaries and then, you know, now commentaries aren't the Bible, but there is a collective wisdom of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us that there are men that have gone before us that have spent their whole lifetime studying one book of the Bible. Or in this case, this is um, a collection of things from William McDonald, Wearsby and John MacArthur and all kinds of neat things. It's one, there's a one volume commentary. So that's pretty heavy. It's not a doorstop. It's a commentary. Another really important tool you need in your library is a good Bible dictionary. That's how you find out the customs and things of the, of the day. Just a, a simple Bible dictionary will answer almost all of your questions. You can look up definitions of names. You know, sometimes I'll come to you with, a, you know, this name in the Hebrew means such and such. And you're like, how did he, how, wow, Pastor Ed's so smart. No, I'm not. I have a Bible dictionary. 
And I looked it up. I was like, man, these names, there's all kinds of names. I wonder what they mean. And then after I come to the names, I wonder if that has any, wow, Lord, what are you trying to show us through somebody's name? So a good Bible dictionary. Again, there's a lot of these resources are free on the Internet. So it's not like, you know, in the day we didn't have that kind of access. We had to go out and get everything. And uh, I remember studying in the early days with all my books squared out on the table and pulling this one out and pulling this one out and circling this. And and another one is a concordance. Um, This has a, a concordance is a is a book that has every single word of the Bible in it alphabetically. And it will show you, like I opened up to the word dwelt, and starting in Genesis chapter 4 and going all the way to Revelation 11.10, it shows every single English use of the word dwelt in the Bible. Now you want to know what a word means? Look up all of them. There's probably 150 definitions here of where these words or like in our study in Nehemiah there's the word dwelled is used 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 looks like 15 times that would be an important word to look up if it was used 15 times in Nehemiah I wonder what he meant I wonder what it means so this is a good one where if you're looking for a word because sometimes you can't remember the scripture but you remember a word and then you look up the word and go ah now I remember and now of course with the computer you can just pop it in a phrase and you find anything but use whatever tools you need to But you can take the word of God with simple steps and be able to know, hey, you know what? When Paul came and he taught, he didn't use the word craftily. That's spot on. Just like in Acts 17, the Bereans, when Paul came to Berea, even the Bereans tested Paul so that what he said was true. That's a great thing. You want to test. Test anything I teach. Test anything the guests teach. Anytime you're receiving the word of God, some of you need to test things that you've been taught your entire life. Just expose them to the word of God. Not because another church has said, just, hey, there's something you're holding on to that you were taught incorrectly. And so just open the Bible and go, man, that verse has always been used to say such and such. I just, God, what does that mean? And you can look up the context. You can look up the definition of the words in that particular verse. You can look at what it meant when the first century people heard it or whatever century they were in. You can look at the grammar of the sentence and how it fits together. You can then see how it fits with the unity and the character and the nature of God. And there's another tool that we don't have up here, but it just came to me right now. There's another tool that's really, really helpful. It's called a topical Bible. And that is where the concordance has all the words listed. A topical Bible, like a real popular one, is called NAVES, N-A-V-E-S. A topical Bible, uh, it has all the main topics and the scriptures associated with those topics. So you might look up the word suffering and every use of the word suffering, but then a topical Bible, you look up suffering and it'll have words for pain and sorrow and it'll expand the idea of suffering to all of the different words that are used in the New Testament. And you can see, if you just spend a half hour looking at verses like that, do you know how depth and how how spiritually rich you will be with your own personal Bible study? And imagine what you did, if, since you already know where we're going to be as a church. Right now we're on the, in Nehemiah in the weekends, you already know. Uh, if we ever get out of chapter 4, we'll be in chapter 5 pretty soon. And you'll be able to be ahead in chapter 5. And as you're studying ahead and some words pop out or some things pop out to you, you may even find that the Lord ministers to you long before the Bible study here because you found the same thing I found. Because you've been studying for yourself. Or you come up and you email me and go, hey, Pastor Ed, have you ever thought about this? And I go, man, I didn't see that. And then I'll shoot you. Do you ever think about this? And before you know it now, we've got two different directions. Now, remember this. Remember this. I want to be careful because it is the depth of when the seminar comes here in inductive Bible study. There is only one true interpretation of the text. 
So this whole idea of what do you think the Bible says, forget about it. It doesn't matter what you think the Bible says. The right question to ask is, what does the Bible say? So be careful there. Because sometimes you get together with a group and what do you think the Bible says? What do you think the Bible says? And you got 20 opinions on what the Bible says. There's only one opinion on what the Bible says. That's God's opinion. That's what you're looking for when you're studying. The one interpretation. However, once you understand the interpretation, there are many applications. Once you understand the text, then you can begin to wisely apply it in people's lives. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been learning how to use the Bible the correct way. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 2 Corinthians. You can also look for these messages online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, let's say we encounter a friend or teacher that is saying or doing something that is not lining up with what we find in Scripture. What is the right and wrong way to approach them? Well, you know, Larry, this is a very sensitive topic because... It's very easy to come across hypercritical, hypocritical, to come across as holier than thou. Those aren't just accusations. Sometimes believers give that air, give that vibe, and we don't want to give that vibe. So I always like to remind our church, remind me personally, that we need to approach these situations prayerfully and carefully. Prayerfully and carefully. What I mean is, before we approach a person, we want to pray and saturate it in talking to God about the person. Before we ever talk to the person, we should be talking to God about the situation, asking for wisdom, asking for insight, asking for truths to be revealed. Like, we want to be prayerful. And then we also want to be careful. And on very rare occasions... Does a situation require us to rebuke a person? Some people think that that's just their ministry. They're just the rebukers, you know, like there's a gift of rebuking, and there's not. Uh, The way I like to describe it is the difference between walking alongside someone and getting up in someone's face. And we all know what it means. You know, we all know what it feels like when somebody gets up in our face, even if it's just them, you know, in our space, you know, just getting a little too close, talking a little too close, but, but like really coming up and getting in our face. Very rarely do we have to approach a friend, a teacher, uh, someone that way. I mean, super rare. Some people, if ever, uh, that, that we would have to be so stern and so strong in what we're about to say that it has the appearance of getting up in someone's face. Most of the time, it's better to approach the situation by the picture of putting your arm around someone and walking together, like taking a journey on the situation, especially when it comes to the scriptures, because the whole goal is not to win an argument. The goal is to have someone cling to what is true. And another mistake that's made is, like, people are always going around trying to win the argument, trying to win the argument. And you know what? You might win the argument and lose the friend. And so you walk away all justified and, yeah, I told them and I shared with them. And then, then, like, not only did you lose the friend, but they didn't really change. They're not going to receive what you had to say, even if it was true biblical truth, like solid biblical truth. So be careful and be prayerful and take people on a journey, like build bridges with them. Tell them the truth, but speak the truth in love, in the agape love. I think the, one of the things I learned when I started teaching the Bible was people don't, know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's a true axiom 
in all sorts of relationships. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's where praying comes in because it just starts to enlarge your heart for them. Larry, that's a really good question. I'm glad that you asked it. Thank you. And thank you, my friend, for those wise words. Be prayerful and careful in our approach. Here in the month of August, we've picked out an excellent book we believe will really be of help to you or a friend of yours. See if this sounds familiar. Someone comes up to you with a problem they're facing, and you know Scripture speaks to it, but you just can't quite think of the verse. Well, the quick Scripture reference for counseling is just what you need to be able to quickly find the Bible passages for the issues you and your friends are faced with. It's arranged topically, so you can quickly find what you're looking for. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. And thank you for your support. It helps us get the word out on stations like this one all across the nation. Our time together sure goes by quickly, doesn't it? But we're already looking forward to our next study in 2 Corinthians right here on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. God bless. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.